Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallet. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sutkus. Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast, and today it's our yearly holiday episode. We're going to talk about some of this year's seasonal offerings. All of us saw Violent Night, where David Harbour plays a heroic but murderous Santa Claus. We're also going to discuss some others, including Spirited, which is the new Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds take on A Christmas Carol, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, A Christmas Story Christmas, which is a sequel to A Christmas Story, really bad title, and Christmas with the Campbells, which is like a a parody of a Hallmark Christmas movie. Uh, I'll get to that. We've gotten some great new Christmas movies in the last couple of years. Just you know, recently, Netflix has had Klaus, which was a great animated movie. We had A Boy Called Christmas, which is one of my favorites of the last couple of years. This year, I would say the big theatrical release is Violent Night, which is about a cynical Santa who takes a rest in the home of a wealthy elite family as they are taken hostage by some mercenaries with the help of a young girl who still believes in Santa when nobody else does. Santa viciously fights the thieves. This is directed by Tommy Vercola, who did Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. He did that Netflix Willem Dafoe movie, What Happened to Monday. And next year, he has a movie coming out called Spermageddon. So I'm going to be sure to put that one right on our schedule. This is written by Pat Casey and Josh Miller. These are the fellows who wrote both of the recent Sonic movies. The first one, which I I didn't really like too much, but the second one I had quite an amazing time with. Still can't really articulate why, but I like that one a lot. And I'm looking forward to the third one, especially after the what happens at the end of the second one. But we're not talking about Sonic. We're talking about Violent Night. So, Matt, why don't you tell us what you thought of Violent Night? I, uh, I was kind of indifferent going into it, and I, but I thought it was cool. You know, a, a, a Santa Claus-themed action movie. I thought that was kind of a cool premise. I wanted to like it more than I actually liked it. I did like parts of it, but the script was kind of a mess, and it wasn't perfect. But I think, generally speaking, I I would say more people than that will probably enjoy this. Yeah, I would say if you're if you're in the you like crazy action, then yes, this is for you. But Tyler, was it for you? This movie was not for me. I thought this movie was a slog to get through. So a little under two hours, but it it was a long movie. I from five minutes in, I just started rolling my eyes, and I never stopped throughout the rest of this film. I thought the action was terrible. It, it was just very poorly shot, very poorly like choreographed i thought all the performances were awful some of them were okay but everyone seemed to be phoning it in john leguizamo's performance was atrocious i think he's one of my least favorite film antagonists of recent memory um the script was awful like just horrible like every line was so cringeworthy not every line but most like like me and you were talking about Mike with they they kept in a clear error that John Leguizamo's character made like about messing up Santa Claus's name. Yeah, so. he, it was like he in the moment was good because he recovered, but they should have <laughs> done another take. I don't. I really didn't understand that part. I forget his name again, but the guy, the sociopath character, Krampus, Krampus, Krampus. just atrocious. Like honestly. One of the worst performances I've ever seen in, in, in a movie, in media. 
Like he was so bad every time he was on screen. I couldn't figure out what he was trying to do. In but, media, and that includes all politicians. So, yes, exactly. It's uh, a high yes, insult. Absolutely. Uh, just everything about this, you try to juxtapose like this crazy ultra violence with this nice Christmas message, and it just didn't work at all. Like it, so terrible. Like everything about this movie, I hated it. Yeah, I. This is one of the least pleasant movies that I have seen in a movie theater, or possibly ever. I don't like to say that lightly, but I thought about it, and I'm like, this is awful. You can't tell me this was worse than Bones and All, though. So here's the thing about Bones and All. I don't know if this was... This was probably equally as dull as Bones and All, and it certainly was not as long, but I thought this was more offensive to my viewership than Bones and All was. Bones and All, I was just bored by. Bones and All also has Lick It Up, and this movie, spoiler alert, doesn't have any kiss in it. At least not that I remember. I just think it's grotesque, it's unentertaining, it's unfunny, it's vile, it's mean-spirited, poorly written, poorly acted, and just very hollow at the center. One of the most frustrating things, this movie is just a more violent Paul Blart mall cop. It is a group of people who are taken hostage during the holiday season, An unlikely hero just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he fights off various henchmen in different ways before having a final showdown with the big boss. I would have rather just been watching Paul Blart Mall Cop, as I say with most activities, but certainly in this case. (laughs) But wasn't Paul Blart Mall Cop just a ripoff of Observe and Report? The Seth Rogen Mall Cop movie? I (laughs) despise that movie. I hate it hate that movie so no it was not it was not do you like that movie no i don't i don't think i've ever actually seen it (laughs) oh never never see it it's so bad uh yeah i mean if you want to say this is like die hard with santa then i think that's appropriate the violence you know die hard is good this is true die hard is good the violence in this movie it's just gross to be gross you know, there are a lot of violent movies that I enjoy. This was not one. I just wanted it to be over so badly. Tyler, you leaned over to me in the middle of the movie and said what? Oh, which which one? I think I said a few things. I, when will this be? When will this end? Yeah, you yeah. said, please end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why won't this end is what I said. And I don't know about you. Correct me if I'm wrong, there didn't seem to be a positive energy in the room either. No, not at all. I don't. I think there was like a chuckle like once in this film. Yeah, it, it was not. I had a good audience in my showing. I, I had people behind me that were yucking it up the whole time and kicking the back of my seat. So... <laughs> ugh, ugh. Was yours full? Because ours was not very full. No, but fun fact, I accidentally ended up seeing this one in IMAX. So did we, just because of the time. <laughs> yes, I didn't realize it was even showing in IMAX. Full disclosure, it didn't, need to be. The, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't need to be in IMAX. It didn't even fill up the IMAX screen. It was just like a normal movie frame expanded to be bigger. Like it, it yeah. added nothing. There was the and sound was the same. Like it. Uh, the only difference is that I ended, got stuck paying more money for the damn tickets. Exactly. I, And you know what? I walked out, and the guy who ripped our tickets the first time, I said, did you see Violent Night? And he said, no. And I said, don't. There's no point. 
And you're right, it was the visuals in this movie are nothing IMAX worthy. David Harbour as Santa, I thought he was pretty good. He was at least trying. I appreciated that. He was trying. I don't know if he's the perfect casting as Santa. I don't... I got a little bit more mall Santa than actual Santa from him, if you know what I mean. Um, Well, I thought that, for the most part, everyone was working and doing the best with what they had as far as the script was concerned. Which is very little. Yeah. David Harbour, he's had a a very interesting movie career, and I said I wasn't going to say interesting on the episode, but I did. He started early with small roles, but in really great movies, like Brokeback Mountain, he's in War of the Worlds, the Spielberg, he's in Revolutionary Road, he's really great in that movie, he's in End of Watch. Last few years have been mixed, some not-so-great projects, he was in Suicide Squad, not the James Gunn one, the other one. He was in (laughs) Sleepless, that Jamie Foxx thriller, in Hellboy, which... You know, it was unfortunate. Hellboy and Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, were like two of my favorite blockbuster movies as a kid. And, you know, they redid it. And it was just like, I would say, one of the more prominent flops of the last couple of years. Well, the problem is Ron Perlman is Hellboy. (laughs) Yeah, he was really great. Thank you, Guillermo del Toro. Can't wait to talk about Pinocchio. Uh, But, yeah, I... So I, I feel bad because I, I don't root against David Harbour. I root for him. In fact, you know, I'm I'm neglecting to mention incredible success on Stranger Things, which he's really good on. Uh, but on the movie side, you know, he's he was in he's in a couple of good things. No Sudden Move I thought he was good in. Black Widow I thought he was pretty entertaining and like a pretty okay movie. I don't dislike that movie. I don't really love it. So I, I hope good things for him in the future. I hope he can return to the quality of some of those earlier roles. John Leguizamo is Scrooge, Mr. Scrooge, kind of very similar. He has had a very good last few years. He was just in The Menu, which he was excellent in. He was in Encanto. He's been in a couple of the John Wick's movies. He's been in Tyler's Favorite. The Sun is also a star. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) And he's a really big stage presence. Does these great one-man shows. I thought in this, it, it was just like, this is a waste of your talents, man. This is a terrible character. A terrible character that is completely indicative of the hollowness of the movie. I'll say more about that in a minute, but not a fan of this. I don't know. My favorite Leguizamo is like his role in Chef with John Favreau, which is one of my favorite movies to begin with. Um, and, you know, Ice Age. Uh, I, I really like Ice Age. Who was he in Ice Age? He was the tiger? He was oh, Ray no, Romano. Was tiger? No, he was Sid. Was he Sid? Yeah, he was Sid. Dennis Leary Sid was... was... The, Sid, oh, you know what? I I had Sid in my head, but I was picturing Sid being the tiger. It had been a while since I've... It has been a while since I've seen Ice Age. Dude, I that or study. Even though there's been so many of them. I'm pretty sure he actually plays Ray Romano in that film. <laughs> he plays Ray Romano as... Do we? Do you guys remember the mammoth's name? Yes, Manny. I didn't even remember that. Yes, it was, it was Manny. I do remember that. You guys want to play a quick game of how many Ice Age movies there have been? I'm going to say five. 
Okay. Uh, I'm I'm gonna guess I'm gonna guess six. Okay. Well, you're both right because there were five original movies running from 2002 to 2016. Five movies over 14. Was this series really that popular? I just don't remember. I remember the first movie being something, and then after that, don't remember anyone raving about Continental Drift. I mean, uh, to me, in in my childhood, it was second only to, like, Shrek as far as, like, non-Disney animated movies. That's an interesting discussion for another day. There has to be an animation episode of this show. But So, Matt, you said six. There is... The Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. Oh, okay. Which was a spin-off film that came out this year. Uh, oh, that was a new director spotlight by John C. Duncan. <laughs> John C. Duncan. I was hoping he'd make a film. Better than John B. Starbucks. <laughs> or, I'm glad or... I didn't make my David Harbour versus David Port yeah. <laughs> joke. <laughs> John D. Tim Hortons. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we we're gonna have to watch the next film of John C. Duncan. Is that John C. Honeydew? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's John C. Riley is now not the only John C. in this town. <laughs> Uh, I, I will tell you guys one thing that I liked about the one performance that I like. I did like Leah Brady as Trudy, the girl. I thought she was enjoyable. Uh, please be in a better movie next time. Managers, get on that, please. But I liked her. I, I thought she gave me similar vibes as the girl from Deep Water, where she like gave a really good child performance in a relatively lackluster film. Hmm... Yes, and... I mean, obviously, one one of these is a little worse than the other, but... A, a little, please. Don't, don't even get me started. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Yes, and also a child who is helping adults continue their nefarious affairs. So that's very good. I like that connection. Edie Patterson's in this. She's like the, the sister of the family. Oddly playing like the same foul-mouthed reject sibling that she plays in like righteous gemstones and a similar thing in vice principles and she's in knives out as one of the employees of the family i like her a lot i and she's done good work especially like in those in those danny mcbride shows i just feel like i'm waiting for a comedy movie to come along and give her the role that is she's just gonna knock right out of the park because she has the chops for it I just don't know if the script has been along yet. I haven't seen everything that she's been in, so what do I know? But I'm still kind of waiting for that. And then Beverly D'Angelo, who is bringing the vinegar here, bringing the spice. I I don't know. This character did nothing for me. I they they need to give better roles to Beverly D'Angelo. I not a fan of this character. And I understand you're maybe not supposed to be, but it wasn't even fun. It was just blah. The family part of this movie I didn't give a crap about. Didn't matter to me. The fight scenes were... Tyler, you didn't like them. I thought they were all right. 
like Santa and the guy in the game room. I mean, that, that was somewhat entertaining. He has like the star in his eye and he plugs it in. The guy gets electrocuted. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I like that one. Santa with the hammer. So we're, we're going to spoil Violent Night here. Not that there's anything to spoil. <laughs> if you saw the trailer, you know what's going to happen in the movie. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my god, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Ooh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know. Murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine and Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! One thing you might not see coming, though, which I, I was... A story lead that I thought was impressive, but didn't didn't go all the way was that Santa used to be a Viking with a big hammer. What is the name of the hammer? Skull Crusher. Skull Crusher. So he wielded Skull Crusher millennia ago, and then this is what they don't provide. At some point he said, I'm hanging up the hammer. And I'm going to take one night a year flying a sleigh led by flying reindeer and deliver presents to households around the world. This is the part I didn't get. Like, you started out the story of Santa, and then you just drop the ball. Okay, but what if... (laughs) Uh, Okay, but what if Santa... What if they made Santa play by Alexander Skarsgård, and then a witch played by Anya Taylor-Joy, comes in and seduces him and and takes him away and convinces him to become the Santa we all know and love. Okay, so if Anya Taylor-Joy was Mrs. Claus and she led him to the North Pole... that's what I'm saying. All right, so you're saying just like X and Pearl, we got two releases of the same series in the year, The Northman and Violent Night. Yes, I'm saying The Northman is a prequel to this movie. (laughs) I I really like the idea because that scene where she's like going crazy on the boat at the end of the Northmen, I mean that's the kind of person that would talk about flying reindeer and elves making toys at the North Pole, which by the way, the North Pole is not a landmass. It's like floating ice. Well that's so why it's called the Northman too. The North yeah. Pole. <laughs> I that that explains the line that Anya Taylor Joyce character says in the Northman, where she's like, You have the strength to break men's bones, but I have the cunning to turn them into Santa Claus. I was a little confused <laughs> in the theater what she meant, but now I know. <laughs> hey, I there it is. You figured it out. I'm incredibly impressed. So that that's, but again, you just built the other half of the bridge that I was looking for in this movie. And like, that's what annoyed me is that I like the idea of like, oh, Santa used to be a Viking. But again, like, where is, where's the transition? And also, I just don't get 
Tyler, what's up? I was just going to say, this movie does a lot where they don't know where to go with it, and they just say, oh, it's Christmas magic. I don't know how it works. If they said that one more time, I was going to like just uh, start bashing my head into a, the seat in front of me. Yeah, what a weak storytelling device. And I'm not trying to be insulting, but like that, it, it got annoying. And also, this gets to what I was saying about how hollow the movie is, is that it tries throughout to have these sentimental moments of oh, you, the holiday spirit. You got to believe you can't be a greedy piece of crap. You can't do this. You got to be filled with Christmas joy. But then, so the villain, Mr. Scrooge, he is somebody who is angry at Christmas. And he does say Christmas dies tonight because <laughs> he was burned by Christmas when he was a kid, right? Yes. So you would think in a movie that's trying to be sweet, that there would be some sort of healing or some but instead santa who is the harbinger of good like eviscerates his body inside of a chimney and then throws it away and they go all right they're gone this is awesome (laughs) it is still called violent night yeah but it's then just don't include the sentimental stuff if you want to do violent night and it's a murder of santa okay go ahead do it that's fine we already got me all this stuff (laughs) We already got a perfect Murder of Santa movie with Silent Night, Deadly Night, so I, I see your point. Like, I think this goes back to your criticism of, like, Marvel movies and other superhero movies where, like, they, the, the goal, the noble goal at the end is kind of upended when you're like, you have to use violence to get it, because this absolutely does it. Like, oh, it's great. You gotta believe in Santa, and Santa will murder, (laughs) brutally murder all your enemies. We we almost made it a whole episode without bashing the MCU. I'm not bashing the MCU. A lot of movies are at fault (laughs) for that, and Mike brings it up, so I'm just saying. Like, this this is like the peak of that, because it's so brutally violent. And then tries to give you a nice message of like, well, you gotta believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> you gotta believe in Santa. You gotta San- believe San- in Santa. <laughs> you gotta believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> I like just do another take. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. He messed up the line, and he was a trooper because he just went right back to it. Like, make that's the thing is that. You put your performance in the editor's hands and the director's hands. Do right by the actor. If he messes up the line, edit it. Don't don't use that take. Yes, I agree. They should do right by the actor, and they should have edited out all of Krampus' scenes. <laughs> yeah, that was really bad. Also, I, I don't get Santa. I mean, I get it, because we get this in all holiday movies, but Santa's upset because people just want and want and want which I feel like we've just taught people to do because the whole myth of Santa is that you just get presents. Also, what a what an ask of children in January to go, oh, you're not going to get Christmas presents in December if you're not good. <laughs> what an ask. Well, this one Santa- does... I was just going to say the boomer thing of like, all kids want is video games. And (laughs) he's like pulling out the presents and they're all video games. Yeah. But wouldn't a video game be something that a kid plays for a bit? So it defeats the whole purpose of like, they open the gift and they don't want it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. This was very anti-video game, which the the boomer comments are not not done in this episode. (laughs) So you just wait. You know, it's ironic because it was written by the guys who wrote Sonic. So maybe they're just... (laughs) All the kids want is their Sonic movies. They don't want anything else. They just want Sonic. No, 
they did that to get kids away from video games and into the cinema. Soon they'll be watching Vim Vendors movies. They'll be watching Paul Schrader. All this kind of stuff just because of the gateway of Sonic. Okay, but the what if the next Sonic movie was directed by Paul Schrader? <laughs> I, I was just... I was just at the... Um... Shadows coming to town. I was just at the movie theaters, actually, and there was I was walking by a group of small children, and they're all like, we cannot wait for the new Damien Chazelle film. Guys, you know me. I haven't been able to look one time when that trailer has played in the theater, and I've seen it 27 that times. Is the, that trailer gets longer every time I go to the movies. I Apparently swear it was so a 15-minute trailer last, during this film. If Paul Schrader directed a sonic movie it would be about how the rings and the power and wealth that that brings sonic corrupts his soul and makes him turn on his friend tails and he has an affair with rouge <laughs> poor amy <laughs> he cheats on me and then knuckles blows his brains out <laughs> In, in a state park. With his own knuckles. <laughs> he just punches himself in the head and it's over. Shout out really? to our first reformed fans. First reformed, the card counter, the master gardener, and then Sonic 3. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. Paul's a wild guy. I just have one more question from Violent Night. In the scene where the girl like makes it fake snow with styrofoam inside so that the villains think that Santa has magic, why did Mr. Scrooge have to taste the styrofoam to know that, that were those were not real snowflakes? Sometimes you're just pulling out styrofoam out of a package you receive and you're like, snow, and you go to eat it. And you're like, this isn't snow. <laughs> I want to say though go ahead sorry I was just gonna say this movie does what a lot of movies do and like does does anyone in Hollywood know how an icicle works you they're, they're not the sharp knife they're not sharp knives they'll break they're just ice <laughs> like people are impaling people with icicles repeatedly in this film they're icicles they break if you <laughs> they're just frozen water <laughs> Clearly, you don't file your icicles every morning like I do. <laughs> I want to say though, I, 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 of the thing, I of the things I liked about this movie, I liked the whole, the whole Home Alone take with her setting up the booby traps. I thought that scene was pretty gnarly. It was very gnarly. I yeah, that was, it was gnarly. I'll give him that. Uh, the woman, I don't. Again, she did the thing where she like stood there and just took the punishment. When she could have sidestepped. I mean, but they weren't as sadistic as the ones from Home Sweet Home Alone, but... That movie was hilarious, though. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird to have, like, a child's giddy excitement while she's brutally murdering a Swedish man. What does that have to do with him being Swedish? He's just Swedish. It's just a fact. I'm not uh, saying it has anything to do with it. it it's, but... it's a little more concerning when you're watching a Swedish man be brutally murdered. <laughs> But it's not like she's murdering him because he's Swedish. No, she's just brutally murdering him. And that's very gross to like this child giggling while they're brutally murdering someone. Do you guys have any any thoughts before we move on to another movie? Don't see this movie. Yeah, don't. And David, 
please do better things than this. Come on, what are you doing? He's so much better. He's gonna be in Thunderbolts. Ooh. Well, I would I would rather watch that. I'm being positive. I'm excited for it. All right, we're gonna move. Let's do. Let's talk about Spirited now. This was my pleasant surprise. This is a new take on a Christmas Carol. I would say a, a loose adaptation of a Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens story. So the ghost of Christmas present, played played by Will Ferrell, he ponders going back to being human again while trying to redeem a tyrannical media mogul played by Ryan Reynolds. This is directed by Sean Anders, who wrote or directed several of the past decades, like mid-tier to bad comedies, like She's Out of My League, if you guys remember that one. I kind of like that movie. That's My Boy, one of the more derided Adam Sandler flicks, and then Dumb and Dumber 2, which... Dumb and Dumber, which is probably my favorite comedy of all time. Dumb and Dumber Two is atrocious. Just I, like I liked Dumb and Dumber Two. I no comments. That's a discussion for another day. He wrote it with his writing partner John Morris. I really enjoyed this. I liked the story structure, the Ghost of Christmas Present, trying to decide if he wants to be humid, trying to redeem the Ryan Reynolds character, them dealing with each other's visions of the future, growing friendship, the complications of it. I thought it was good. Matt, Matt, did you see this one? I didn't get a chance, unfortunately. I think you would like it. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I just, with the week I've had, I've hardly had a chance to really see anything. I only just saw Violent Night last night. Ugh, ugh, what a, what a, you. Uh, we're done with that, though. Tyler, what would you think of Spirited? So I wasn't a fan. I think my brain just anytime I see Ryan Reynolds, my brain is like, "This is this is awful. You just stop this, please." But I think it was more compounded by the fact that my girlfriend's mom was singing and dancing to the the whole oh. every song during it. So that might have squandered my enjoyment of this. But I just wasn't into this at all. <laughs> so, so I shouldn't pitch you my movie starring Tim Chalamet and Ryan Reynolds. Buddy cops. You throw Ty Sheridan in there, and I'm gonna jump out. Oh, Ty, Ty Sheridan. Ty Sheridan is the antagonist. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Ty Sheridan. That's directed by Paul Schrader. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I. So I'll say this: as I was watching this, I Tyler, you and I are simpatico on Tim Chalamet. You and I are simpatico on Ryan Reynolds. But one of the great joys of my adult movie life is getting to like people that I haven't previously liked. And I, I'll say this. As I was watching this, I went, you know what? Ryan Reynolds is good at what he does. Which so, is be bad at acting and being in movies. and just It's not my awful. not my favorite cup of tea, but he, he was good at it. I liked him more in this than I've liked him in a lot of things. Uh, my only caveat with this, and it didn't make me enjoy the movie less, just considering the theme of the episode... This is not super Christmassy. There are yeah. holiday elements like the, you know, the set, the costumes are holiday. But the story, besides being, you know, taken from a Christmas carol and the ghosts and all that stuff, it really could have taken place any time of year and it would have pretty much been the same. There wasn't really any holiday tradition or anything like that besides like, oh, you know, the family of it and all that stuff. I don't, It just... It didn't scream Christmas to me. It didn't bother me, but I just kind of noticed it afterwards. Am I right in that? Yeah, it actually screamed Christmas at me, and I was a little scared. <laughs> Christmas! <laughs> I was like, oh! <laughs> no, yeah, I completely agree with you. 
with that. I, I thought the same, honestly. Like, it didn't, like, it changed a couple elements, and it's not even a Christmas movie at all. Yeah, this could have been Thanksgiving. <laughs> it could have, like, it was, their whole purpose was just to, like, you know, change people for the better, and it just happened to be around Christmas time, because that's the Dickens story. Um, it's not a critique. It was just like, oh, yeah, th- I don't... I don't know if I'm going to throw this on to get in the holiday spirit, but I enjoyed it. Uh, as far as the musical, I think it's all right. None of the songs are super catchy or memorable. I think the lyrics are pretty good in a lot of the songs. The music is okay. A lot of it just felt kind of generic musical stuff. Some yeah. of the choreography was good. I didn't really love the choreography. Also, they just randomly use the beginning of In Your Eyes at one point. And I'm just, I always find it odd when musicals, unless it's a jukebox musical, like bring in external music. Um, again, not bothersome. There are some clever numbers here bringing back Christmas, like that initial speech. I thought that was a good intro to the Reynolds character. Good Afternoon, I guess, was kind of funny. Oh, I hated Good Afternoon. It was a good, it didn't like, it didn't make me laugh out loud, but I was like, all right, good idea. And then the Unredeemable, and the last one, the very last number, I think is the best. I enjoyed that one the most. It's a little bit more complicated than your classic, like, mean boss just learns to be nice because it's Christmas and you should be nice to people. It's more complicated than that. You know, talking about how change is a choice you have to make every day. And Tyler, I want your thoughts on this, but I had mixed feelings about this being a self-aware musical. Self-awareness in movies is getting a little stale for me. I think it's it's getting a little too cute. There's a certain point where I'm like, okay, you're just making a self-aware musical. How about you just make a good musical? Yeah. Because you're doing a musical, so just do it. I absolutely Like, there's no, no shame in it. There, yeah. The, and, the, the self-awareness thing has been played out and it's just kind of gotten to the point like this movie doesn't do anything good with it <laughs> no it's yeah yeah I, I i agree it it was okay some of the musical numbers they start and then they stop very suddenly because the character interrupts it was okay i could see it watching with my family or something like that you know what i mean matt how's the guardians of the galaxy holiday special i i really enjoyed it 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 was it was just like a little 45 50 minute special feature on Disney Plus it's it's super cool um so it's got our current team of guardians minus gamora because that plot thread's still being worked on it's probably going to be in guardians volume 3 mhm uh, it's pretty pretty low stakes i mean it it basically is just a nice little appetizer before guardians of the galaxy volume 3 which i am incredibly stoked for just saw the trailer this week and i I got chills like i am so excited for that movie i couldn't bring myself to do it i just like i just want it to come out tomorrow Mm -hmm. and then i watch it you know what i mean yeah but this this special is nice it's it's touching it's funny it's cleverly written in short, it basically follows Drax and Gamora on like a side quest. What I guess it's like a main quest of the the special, but it's on. They're on a quest to Earth to capture Kevin Bacon and bring him back to nowhere because they purchased nowhere from the collector and try to cheer Peter up because he's sat around the holidays because um, he had christmas ruined for him as a kid that's that's basically the setup 
So it's the classic, you know, try to cheer this guy up and get into hijinks along the way. But it, it's it's very clever. It's very heartwarming. You get a lot of... You get some solid, like, character development for all these characters leading into the final movie. And it's nice to see just a Guardians movie and not a Guardians cameo. Although this wasn't a full movie, but... To see the Guardians in the center stage instead of just like a shoehorned cameo like they were in Thor Love and Thunder. Even though I did enjoy them when we saw them there. But but yeah, it's really good. It's fun. Low stakes. Fun. Kevin Bacon is fantastic in it. Oh, I said I wasn't going to say fantastic on this episode and I did. That's alright. Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Okay. Just wait till our Fantastic Four episode when that finally comes out. (laughs) No, but I I am incredibly excited for Guardians 3, and I think this is a nice way to kind of get in the Christmas spirit and have a a nice, you know, if you're a fan of the MCU, then I think this is just a really good little special. I'm happy right. to hear that because there's no bigger fan of the MCU than me. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm coming over to the other side. I'm super excited for Guardians Three. That is probably the one I'm genuinely like excited for. You guys want to hear about a Christmas story Christmas? I want to hear about a Christmas story Christmas. So ah! this is on... Oh wait, sorry, wrong movie. <laughs> This is on HBO Max, so it's a sequel to A Christmas Story. Uh, You guys fans of A Christmas Story? Absolutely. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I think it's a staple in many households. Really funny, really like bitingly funny, which I maybe didn't realize as a kid, but when I watched it as an adult, I'm like, oh, wow, this is is fun for everybody, quote unquote. This is 30 years after the events of that movie. Ralphie has a wife and two kids. He's, all right, I'm going to go on a rant about this. He's taken a year off of work to become a writer. He's not having any luck. He has two young kids, taking a year off of work. When his father passes away, he and his family stay with his mom and his childhood home to make the most of Christmas. It's a similar structure to the first movie, but now it's just from the adult perspective. Clay Cadis directed this. He's a longtime Disney animator, worked on a lot of Disney movies that people know and love. He directed the Angry Birds movie, The Christmas Chronicles, which is like the Kurt Russell Netflix Christmas movies. I've never seen those. Um, People seem to like them, though. And this was written by him and Nick Shank, who, does anybody know what movie Nick Shank wrote? I guarantee you will never guess. Take a wild guess. Uh, Cuties. And then then go wilder. Stop. Van Wilder. (laughs) Not Van Wilder. Gran Torino. <laughs> Gran Torino? <laughs> you Gran Torino. And is now doing a Christmas story Christmas. I respect it. Uh, got some range. I never really like to use this word to describe movies, but I think it's appropriate here. This movie's cute. It is. It gives you a nice holiday feeling. It has that, like, Norman Rockwell Saturday evening post aesthetic to it. There is a cool part where they like animate the characters in the style of that magazine. The movie is not good. 
It's nowhere near the first one. There's a few laughs. It continues a lot of the same stuff. You have like the fantasy breakaways of the first one, but it just kind of meanders from one thing to the next. I know you can say the same thing about the first one, but the first one was pretty funny. This one's not. This one is just, again, it's fine. I'm going to say some negative things, but it's fine. It's like a mediocre TV special that was just stretched out. It even has like canned screams, you know, the ones that you might hear in like Star Wars and stuff. <laughs> and it has like this really corny sitcom score. It's like, as someone who has watched A Christmas Story 2, I, there's no way it can be as bad as that. Mm, I don't, there is a scene where a kid just points to another kid and he's like, he just dumb pissed himself and everybody laughs and that's the end of the scene. <laughs> so if that gives you any indication. I have some thoughts. So Peter Billingsley, who was Ralphie in the first one and has worked for years now as producer, director, and actor. He appeared in Iron Man. He appeared in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. He was an elf as well. He was an elf. He reprised his role. He's Ralphie again, the adult Ralphie. He's pretty good. He has a really great voice, which they used copiously, probably too much for voiceover in this. If you guys will indulge me for a second, I have to talk about Ralphie's writing career because it's fascinating. So, again, he quit his job to write, quote, the next great American novel, which is, I understand that's a writer's dream. It's a pretty outdated concept. I will give it this. When he has like writer fantasies about winning awards and like proving people wrong and all that stuff, that was some of the most authentic stuff I have seen in the movie in the past year. It was very real, so I'll give it that. So he writes, so he's going to write the next great American novel. He writes a 2,000 page sci fi book that isn't even completed at the end. So I, I don't know what the thought process here is. He gives himself till the end of the year to get published. Ralphie, publishing takes a long time. I don't know what you're thinking. Even when you publish a book, you don't often make enough on your first book to completely live on. You know, some people do, not all. This is what the annoying part. Throughout the movie, remember his father passes away. He can't get his book published. Nobody wants the sci-fi thing. He learns that the best thing he is able to write are memories of his dad. He's trying to write the obrit. He writes a nice piece, and everyone's like, oh, this is the best thing that you've written, which is very sweet and personal. But for me, it perpetuates the myth that the best kind of writing is deeply personal, and you have to like pour your soul out onto a page to be a good writer. And that just annoys me. I, you know, that stuff is fine, and I enjoy reading a lot of it. Made-up stories are just as good as personal experiences. Imaginations exist. We can use them for any writers out there. If you're listening, if you want to talk about your life and personal things, you may. Don't feel the need to. You can make stuff up. If you want to mix in personal experiences with some imaginary stuff, that's fine. I, like, that annoys me. We wouldn't have gotten Violent Night if they wrote about their personal experiences. <laughs> well, in that case, I would have rather them written about their personal experiences. Actually, what if that was their personal experience? Well, that would... I would like some fact-checking on that. Like, I, I... 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 Oh, never mind. Forget it. And I'm gonna spoil one part of the end of the movie here. Again, it's not a spoil... This movie just kind of meanders. At the end, everyone reads the story about Ralphie's dad in the paper, 
and it's getting syndicated and everyone loves it. All the people in the town are congratulating him. One of the guys shakes his hand and says, hey, it's Holman's own Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury wrote incredible science fiction that people connected to. Ralphie's lesson was that he should not be writing science fiction because people don't care about his science fiction. And then they call him Ray Bradbury? Stop it. <laughs> what Ridiculous. A weird, what a weird name to just pick out of all the writers. Like, oh, it's our own right. Ray Bradbury. <laughs> could, he, could he imagine if it was like, hey, it's Holman's own Ayn Rand. Like... <laughs> Or George Orwell. Yeah. <laughs> I could not stand that. That that was my author rant. But you guys were mentioning, you know, I, I don't want to use the term, but you were mentioning some baby boomer generation stuff. This, this is also just one of the most old-fashioned movies that I've seen in a while. It seemed like it was made in a past time. You know, it's about a, it's a bumbling husband. He's trying to do his best fun things for his family on the holiday, but he's, he's too goofy. He just can't pull things off because he's too much of a goofball. And his wife's off to the side. She's like, oh, that try-hard husband of mine, he just can't get anything right, but I love him. That kind of thing. Did the leg lamp come back? I don't believe so. I could be wrong. I can't believe they canceled the leg lamp. I don't have a strong memory of this movie, and I watched it a week ago. Uh, Aaron Hayes plays Sandy, his wife. I like her. She has an enjoyable presence. She does the most with the least. She was the wife who was written off of Kevin Can Wait, which is just one of the most ridiculous things that I have seen in entertainment. So I think she deserves any role she wants after that nonsense. Uh, For anyone who's not familiar, Kevin Can Wait was... Kevin James's follow-up sitcom to The King of Queens. Full disclosure, The King of Queens is my favorite sitcom of all time, so I'm not against Kevin James in any way. But Kevin Can Wait was bad. And they thought, oh, the solution to this being bad is that we have to get rid of the wife and bring back Leah Remini, who I love with all my heart, so we can just do a King of Queens too. That seemed to be the thought process. 100%. And so they went... Well, ah, what are they going to get a divorce or is he or maybe like Kevin and Leah could just be best friends. But no, they had to kill the wife played by Aaron Hayes because we just didn't see the character going anywhere. What? The, nonsense. They, nonsense. They Roseanne her? Yes, and so disrespectful. <laughs> you got to Aaron Hayes. You got to give them props though for how well they handled it. By like literally, this is the only indication that she died. They're like, oh, we're getting mail in mom's name, and they're like, damn it, I told the post office she's dead or something. <laughs> like, that's it. She shouldn't be receiving mail. <laughs> like, like, I, like that's she... how you're gonna kill off the wife from the show. <laughs> so, and then I don't even. I didn't watch the rest of the show. I don't think that. Kevin and Leah, their characters end up as anything romantic. So I like, why did the wife have to die? Oh, we didn't see the character going anywhere. Yeah, because you wrote a bad character that she elevated in the first place. That's why. Ridiculous. Full disclosure, Roseanne deserved it on her in her case. Okay. Yes. Thank. Thank you for that. I, I, well, I just didn't want my joke to be taken the wrong way. Like I'm pro Roseanne <laughs> or anything. I'm, I'm pro Zan. <laughs> pro Zan sounds like an antidepressant. <laughs> it does. No, pro Zan, like pro Lil Zan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so 
because of this courtship, because of Peter Billingsley and Aaron Hayes, and, you know, they have a sweet relationship in the movie, but it was very old-fashioned, I got to play one of my favorite movie games, which is, what was that courtship like? This is when you see a married couple in a movie, and you don't see them date or anything, and you're further along into their marriage, and you wonder what it was like when they were dated. What, what was it? that brought these two together to say, yes, I'll spend the rest of my life with you. And I was very curious with this one, because this is a woman who let her husband take a year off of work to write a book that she must have known wasn't going to work. Because she knows that every one of his plots don't work, but she never says anything because that's the dynamic in these kinds of movies. Also, <laughs> you're going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but until you see it, I'm just going to have to have you take my word for it. There is a strangely disturbing moment in this movie. Ralphie and his family go to buy a tree. He thinks he's the best haggler in town. He learned from his dad. And he picks a terrible tree, right? Because that's comedy. He's haggling for it. And then, like, his wife interrupts him. As soon as she interrupts him, cut to an extreme close-up of his face. He has these, like, giant blue eyes. He looks like he just saw John Carpenter's The Thing. And in a voiceover, he says something like, Don't ruin this for me, woman! And I swear to you, the essence of sexism was behind his eyes in that shot. It was so disturbing. I cannot describe <laughs> it to you more clearly than that. Well, hey, it, it, as long as the, the racist Chinese restaurant yeah. workers aren't in there... Get that out of here. I'm so glad. That, gone, gone, gone. Goodbye. Come on. I need you guys to go on HBO Max and watch that one scene the, just to confirm that I'm not insane. The essence of boomer humor is wife is bad. So. Yeah, and she was she was good. It was just that one where his real, his his old school husband came out, and it was shocking. There's a scene of drunk adults sledding. This is really another disturbing moment. He throws a snowball like super hard into his daughter daughter's face and she goes down like a sack of potatoes and you're like, oh my god. It's like it's like that shot in Field of Dreams where like the daughter chokes and falls off the bleachers and you just see that that quick shot of her like just lying on the ground like she's dead. I like oh I not a fan. But Having said that incredibly disturbing thing, A Christmas Story Christmas, it's fine. I wouldn't recommend it, but it's fine. I'm going to tell you guys now about Christmas with the Campbells. So on AMC+, Plus, I see this movie. It's like the movie of the week. It's got Brittany Snow. It's got Justin Long. And it says, From Vince Vaughn. Is that enough to get you guys interested? For sure. Sure. Me too. And then I see that it is a comedic kind of take on these Hallmark Christmas movies. Wow, I can't believe I haven't heard of this before now. I'm all in. This is hard to describe. I don't know if this is a parody of a Hallmark Christmas movie or if it's a Hallmark Christmas movie with just more inappropriate humor in it. It's Brittany Snow. She's a photographer. She's, she's being broken up with by her jerk boyfriend. They separate right before the holidays. But she goes to stay with his family over the holidays anywhere. They're close. Let me let me let me let me guess. The jerk boyfriend was Justin Long. No. No. So wow. she goes That's surprising. and she meets <laughs> the jerk boyfriend's dashing cousin oh. who is played by Justin Long. <laughs> He's very dashing. 
He's he's a handsome gentleman. This is directed by Claire Nita Prum. This is written by uh-huh. Barbara Kimlicka. Kimlicka. I don't. I don't, know how to say her name. I don't believe one name you've said so far is a real person. Well, you're you're about to. Dan Lagana and Vince Vaughn had a hand in writing this. I'll tell you this much: there's not much writing here. This movie is terrible. It is not ridiculous enough to be a good parody. It's not funny enough to be an edgy Christmas comedy. It just rolls along. It's shot like a Hallmark movie. Brittany Snow's trying her best. Justin Long is doing like a smoldering Southern-esque accent. I'm not going to insult people of the South by calling it Southern. Like a Southern-esque cartoon accent that really comes in and out. He speaks in all these phrases that are so ridiculous, which I guess is part of the parody. Didn't work. When you say a southern cartoonish accent, I'm picturing a foghorn leghorn accent. (laughs) Not, he didn't go that hard. But again, throw this thing on for two seconds and you'll find out. I'm assuming at least he doesn't drop a gay slur in this one like he did in Barbarian. No, thankfully he does not. Every joke in this movie is just the fact that people are sexual, which, by the way, was every joke in Coda. Uh, so her ex-boyfriend just wants to get in her pants. His his mom is aggressive with her husband. She, like, wants to have sex with him every two minutes. There's sexual innuendo about vaginas, about fresh scents, and, like, oh, it's like, what is this? This is, like, I, I can't do it. There's a scene very late in the game where the D-bag ex-boyfriend is giving a speech and in the middle of it, he just pauses for half a second to squat and fart and then keeps going with his speech. I was not looking at the screen in that moment, so I had to rewind to ensure that I heard what I heard and I did. It was not it, it just wasn't the humor of the movie and it was just thrown in there. I might be making too much of this. I'm just fascinated by the fact that a group of grown adults, many of them, were making a movie and someone said, hey, let's just have them fart for half a second. That'll be really funny. So that's Christmas with the Campbells. And you know what? I'll, I'll apologize for that, that, that coda, coda comments. That, that was not the topic. I got a little crazy there. So, so this was not part of the Christmas with the Cranks universe? Not to my knowledge. And if it was, that's an insult to Christmas with the Cranks. Was this part of the Good Wife universe? No, it was part of the... So, (laughs) if you want to count it as part of the Campbell's universe, and you go, possibilities, and then all those possibilities are dead. Because you had Brittany Snow, Justin Long, Vince Vaughn was involved, and then it's just the worst. At what point did Glenn show up? He didn't. He did not show up. Nobody showed up in this movie. It was just cookie cutter, cardboard. There was some nice sets. I'll I will, give it that. I will give Campbell soup credit for not having a Christmas-themed incest commercial like Folgers. <laughs> just throwing that out there. We brought up Campbell. <laughs> Although they are keeping it all in the family because she's dating this guy. Now she's dating her co- his cousin. Not quite the same, but keeping it all in the family. That's what the holidays is about. Uh, did you guys watch any other Christmas things? No, no, no. Neither did I. 
Uh, not a great year for the holiday. A good. I've been feeling in the holiday spirit this year. I will say it's all because of reruns, not not because of any of the things I watch. Although I did like Spirited. It hasn't been a great year. <laughs> That's a, a deep insider right there. If you, the listener, watched anything good or you have any recommendations for us, please shout us out on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod. Please write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. If you like the show, you do us a big favor rating and reviewing Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever platform you use. And our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me over at Maddie X Sturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Tyler. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Tyler Sitkus and on Letterboxd at Tyler96. All right. Well, that is all we got for this week. Have a happy holiday, everybody. We'll see you next time. Stay down to bone. Silver Screen Savers podcast is hosted and produced by Michael Gallett, Tyler Sukkis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michelle via Pixabay, logo designed by Nathan Seidel.